listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. Just real quick, we're in a new series uh, entitled Disciple. It's really not a departure from our last series regarding the Holy Spirit, pneumatic believers. It's just a little change of decor, a little change of title. Because you can't be a disciple without the Holy Spirit. He's the one who makes it possible yeah. every step of the way. So as we lean into this, I just want to draw your attention to John chapter 15, verse 8. Jesus said, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Yeah. And so today, I want to help you to answer that question. What is a disciple? Words mean things. They're important you use the right word to describe what is reality. Don't you ever bend your words and speak an untruth just to make people happy? Declare God's word in love, the truth in love. Because lying, while it might seem kind to some people, is still a deception and partners against the kingdom of God so that truth can't come in and make a difference. But speak it in love. Because declaring the truth with a spirit of superiority or, or uh, divisiveness, or using the Word of God like a club over people's head, uh, that'll get you into a fight. And uh, not all of us are Shane, so I don't think that, that I advise everybody to get into that fight. Okay, Father, I thank you for our church family. We speak life over them. Teach us how to be, for those who are disciples, to press in even more. Those who are yet to be disciples, Lord, we believe you for uh, the wisdom to come out so that we're welcomed into that fullness of what you're offering. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Give the Lord a big hand as you do. I'm looking forward to uh, hanging out today and enjoying. I, I know a hot dog has really nothing to do with Memorial Day, but it is great to be able to hang around with you and spend some time. So if you can spend some time with us afterwards, it'll be great. You get your kids first, but it's going to be a beautiful day. And this is typically a weekend where a lot of people are traveling, and we do have a lot of people traveling, but we also have a few guests in the house, and it's looking around. I already mentioned uh, uh, one of the families, but I, I see Mason back there. He's like a surrogate child of ours that we've adopted. And uh, if you're a visitor here today, stop by our Connect Center and make yourself known, and we just love to be able to say hi to you. Um, words do mean things, and I was having a conversation. We used to have some offices uh, down the road, uh, not too far from here in Salmon Creek, had a men's Bible study, and we were sitting around having some bagels afterwards, and we were just talking about things, and I had a man say to me, uh, he's trying to explain his displeasure of something, but he says, man, I can't stand those Pentecostals because they blah, 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 and I mean, I was like, I sparked up right away. This is a man who had been attending our church for a year. And I uh, was shocked because we would be considered a Pentecostal church or a charismatic church. And I stopped and I said, well, I got a question for you. When you say that word, what do you mean by that word? I have found that there are people who argue vehemently against one another and come to blows, and they are actually using the same word but mean two separately different things. So I asked him, instead of punching him in the face as no good pastor or Christian should do. I, uh, I said, what do you mean by that word Pentecostal? He said, you know those angry old ladies with a bun head who don't wear makeup and they're just screaming at people and just, just bitter about life and demand that you do life their way? I said, oh, that's what you mean by a Pentecostal. I said, that's not, a, that's not a, what a Pentecostal is. That's just an angry old woman who doesn't wear makeup with a bun head. I said, a Pentecostal is someone, according to scripture, Acts chapter two, they embrace 
the Holy Spirit in their daily activity. I said, I'm a Pentecostal. We're Pentecostal. You're a Pentecostal. He's like, ooh. I said, so different words mean different things to different, different people. Um, and when I use that word disciple, the word disciple does mean different things to different people. I think that uh, in the church, if you were to ask the vast majority of people just sitting in any congregation, you know, are you a disciple? And they probably would say yes. And the reality is that biblical word means something very specific. And so I want to make sure as we look into this series and start this series off that you understand what this word means biblically and, and how I'm using it so that as you look at your life, according to this scripture, it talks about proving the fact that you own that title. And I'm not really going to be preaching about that today. But there has to be that understanding. There is a litmus test for what a disciple is, and it's not your truth and your truth. That's baloney, not only in this discussion, but in every discussion. You can live your truth and it still be a lie. Is that not true? That's, that's a fact. You know, you can walk around and say, you know, they're giving out free gas at the gas station, but after a while of, of doing that, the ride in the police cruiser to, to jail to maybe be let out immediately, I don't know how things are working these days, but it's starting to get a little political on you. Um, you're going to find out that just because your truth is that gas is free doesn't mean that it's everybody else's truth. And here's the thing about tr- biblical truth. It's God's truth. How many of you have read something in scripture and you've not liked it? I'm not going to lie. I can't do that? Wow. I used to do that. I, I kind of like that. Oh, you can't do that anymore. But the beautiful thing about discovering biblical truth is that while I might not agree with it and I might not like it at this moment, it is definitely God's direction, not to see if I will just Simon says and do whatever he says because he loves me just doing things mechanically. He's actually trying to lead me into an abundant life. How many of you have have bought something or got involved with something or, or celebrated something only to find out later on the thing that you thought you would love, you, you don't, this is, not, this is not good at all. Um, I have experienced that a number of times. With that car comes the payment. There's the, uh, the, there's the uh, thing I'm celebrating that I'm getting and then there's the n- unknown line items in small fine print that flow into my life that I didn't expect, I didn't measure, I didn't calculate, and if I had seen the whole picture, I wouldn't have done this thing. And that is why God's, his commands are alive. He, he wants, Abby wants to lead you to abundant life. And he can see the fine print and he actually loves you enough to help you navigate around the, the pitfalls of life and that's why his word is given to you. And so this idea of being a disciple, this means something specific, but it is a gateway to to experiencing all the best that God has. Um, As you look at disciple in the Bible, it is uh, not an exclusively Christian word, especially in the time of the New Testament. Pretty common word to be used of people who were students or followers, people stepping into a career, a craft, where they were apprentices. You had the leader who had the knowledge that was sharing it with the follower, and the followers dependent upon the leader, and over time, they would rise to the experience of a leader. Uh, it is a word that's really not used in the Old Testament, although there's some mirroring of it, but it's something that's so frequent in the New Testament, it appears some 275 times. Um, initially, when Jesus used the word the very first time, he actually used it to invite the 12 disciples. And as he invited each of them and they followed, they are spoken of sometimes as the 12 disciples. 
But over time, as the crowd began to gather and people began to follow Jesus and the group began to grow, and as the disciples went out and won disciples, the word disciples spread out to mean more than just the 12, and it embraced all people who were doing the same thing as the disciples were in a little bit different setting because the disciples went on to be apostles, and an apostle is a leader, one of the, leader, one of the leadership uh, governing uh, positions within the kingdom of God, in the house of God, but an apostle is still a disciple, but not every disciple is an apostle, but the key here is all about discipleship. So as people began to follow Jesus like the disciples, the group began to grow. And you know Jesus' ministry, sometimes it's one-on-one with the 12 disciples. Sometimes he's with a larger group of 72 or, or a crowd of 5,000. And we began to learn that um, this, this, this phrase, after it's used in regards to the general people following Jesus in that crowd, because not everyone in the crowd was, Jesus also used it as we look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, speaking about the future, speaking about many of you in the room today who have just like the original 12, just like the expanding, growing group, Jesus spoke to the future and he said, go to the disciples and said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Stop there just for a second. He didn't, go, he didn't say go and have a bunch of church services. He didn't. He didn't say go and launch a bunch of ministries. He didn't say go and, you know, he, he specifically said go and make disciples. He used that word. They understood what it was. And he says, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that's the promise of the Holy Spirit coming to help them do this. The Holy Spirit who's here today, the Holy Spirit who's within me as a believer, within you as a believer, whom we lean forward into as we come into this room, the Holy Spirit is here helping us to, yes, we are in a gathering of the church, but our goal, disclaimer, let me open the curtain. We have an agenda. We have an agenda for you. It's to help you become a disciple. Do you understand that? If, if, if you've been coming for a while, we're not trying to get you to give. Okay, that might be a part of discipleship. That's not our goal. It's not to get you on the platform or get somebody to stack chairs. Listen, those things need to take place as within any family, there's a normal function and positions within the family. But our goal is to help you to step across the line and begin to become a disciple and experience all that discipleship unlocks. We're going to be talking about that next week. Discipleship is not just a decision. It's a catalyst that unlocks things. Now, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Um, uh, all right, I read that. Did I read the whole thing? Somebody help me out. I'm like, Jordan, it's natural just to blank out in the middle of stuff, okay? I just want you to know it's, it's part of the anointing. You just blank out. It's also part of old age. Uh, not that that's you. It's more me. Um, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. and be- oh, I've read the whole thing. Somebody help me out here. I only, I only knew what Jordan's next point was because as he texted me his verse this, earlier this week, he's really excited about that second point. I didn't know about the first point, so I knew the second point. And so, anyways, we help each other, right? Okay, making disciples is why we exist as a church. And everything that we do has to lead to that. Sometimes it's a little bit of an indirect encouragement to discipleship uh, when we gather as men to throw axes. I mean, how's that discipleship? Well, some of our friends who don't even know Jesus, we can invite them to throw an axe as an eaten pork, okay? But they might not come to a gathering on Sunday, but 
when we get together, we're having a great time, but it's a bunch of guys who love Jesus, who know how to have a good time, and all of a sudden you hear, like I've heard many times over the years, wow, I didn't know Christians didn't have no makeup buns and were angry. <laughs> I didn't know they were normal people who ride quads and shoot guns and have fun. And yeah, yeah, that's, this is part of drawing people in. When you read about Jesus going to people's houses for a meal, that's what he's doing. And so even an axe throwing can be discipleship. But we intentionally make sure that what we're doing is to help people to become a disciple. Now, when I talk about that word, let me dial in a little bit more. Um, this, uh, as Jesus dealt with people, he dealt in an attempt to draw people into discipleship, but not everybody was a disciple. Actually, there was four different responses to Jesus as he invited them to follow. And I'll talk about this from the furthest out in relationship to him, and then the people as they progressively moved forward. You had, you had the never Jesusers. And we see them all throughout the New Testament. The Jews, many of them would have been never Jesusers. Uh, they had that locked into the God of the Old Testament, who continues into the New Testament. He promised to send his son, and he did, but they were, you're not him. We don't believe in you at all. No way, no how. But we also see them later on in history. Acts chapter 19, Paul uh, goes to Ephesus, and he's trying to share the gospel, and they've established their national God as Artemis. And when he begins to share about Jesus, they begin chanting, great is the God Artemis. For two hours, they had a mob screaming that. It's a lot like what I'm seeing in politics these days. You know, some of the political and national agendas we're seeing come across the news, it's not that people are crazy, it is their religion. You got to understand that. We're dealing with, it's not just belief systems, it's idolatry. When you read about Artemis in the New Testament, don't skate past that really quickly just because there's an official temple and an idol that they worship. There is idol worshiping happening in our nation. Like some of our government's participating in it, some of our friends are participating in it, and it's when people just kind of lose their minds, and it doesn't make sense, but they've bought into this thing, and anything that goes against that thing is, is at the end of the day, it's never Jesus. And it's interesting to watch how things align, that people become so enraged about whatever topic that we're talking about, and somehow... Christians end up on the far end of the spectrum who are the enemy. And the reason why is really because it's either Jesus or this crowd becomes anything but Jesus. In fact, it's the my thing, not Jesus. Um, then, then a little bit farther in are what the Bible refers to as unbelievers. Now, these are, these are people who are in the crowd, just like these are in the crowd. Jesus is over here. He's brought the crowd together. You can see this happen in many accounts. There's the, hey, we're against you. Then there's the people who are there, but they're unbelievers. They've not been convinced to this point. They're not really sure. They, don't, they feel like things maybe don't add up. I, that's where I started off at in life. I wasn't really completely sure and not really fully convinced. And I had yet to be anything proven to me. And I'm not as, wasn't as rigid as this because no matter what truth I hear at this point, I'm going to argue against it. But over here, I've just not heard a compelling argument or there's not enough proof to make me say, yes, I'll follow you. I, that's just where I am in life. And we see that in Scripture uh, where Jesus uh, deals with people that fall into that category. And what I love is Jesus interacts with these people 
and he spends some time with them and he invests some in them. He invests more time and more, more effort on these people, these unbelievers. Um, not because he loves them any less, but because time is a stewardship. And I know that with my natural words, I can't convince these people. They're adamantly against, I mean, even spiritually motivated against Jesus. But these people are still, still in play. And not that these people can't be drawn, but there's a proper deposit. I have regularly some of our interns will ask, I've got this friend and he says God is the devil, basically. What should I do? Um, love him, be a friend, uh, don't waste your time arguing with him. There's no argument to win. God's going to have to do something remarkably spiritual, supernatural, and believe for that. But that's a seed that's going to be planted that doesn't need to be handled every single week. Plant that thing. Live your life and, and honor them and speak the truth in love. But you don't have to have long conversations. The unbeliever is in a different spot. He's closer. We want to live our lives before unbelievers engaged with them not afraid of their thing getting on us, but confident that our thing gets on them because we used to have their thing on us and we've seen the light, right? And we don't look down on them for the things that they do because we used to do the same things. We speak the truth in love and we invest more time. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was all the time getting in trouble for hanging out with these people. He was. Oh, you're, you're such a man of God. What are you doing there with them? Well, because that's where they live. If you want to win unbelievers, you have to go where unbelievers go. And so you invest time in them. And we have unbelievers coming to the church regularly, especially if it's a guide. Oh, man, I'm, like, excited. This is great. Let's hang out. Hey, let's go grab a cup of coffee. Let's, let's go lift weights in your gym. Let's go ahead and, you know, whatever it is. It's because I just, I just know that, hey, I am so convinced that if people can get just a whiff of Jesus, like a little bit of that, whoa, the fragrance of heaven, that it will draw them in. They'll be like, mm, like, like the old days, uh, Star Trek, when they would draw in another ship with a tractor beam, one whiff of Jesus, and it's like, mm, and people will be drawn. That's what happened to me. I'm just convinced that the Spirit of God, he, the Bible says, if we lift up Jesus, he will do what? He'll draw all men to himself. And think about it. That's how you came to know him. You were an unbeliever. I was an unbeliever. And man, somebody just kept, just draw, they kept, kept in our lives, kept loving, kept inviting, kept being a friend, offered to pray, invested in us. And, and somehow in, in the moment of that the, the God, God had worked so hard in our lives for us to experience, the veil opens and we're like, oh my gosh, God, you are real. And we begin to step in that direction from unbeliever and, and hopefully fully into discipleship. And so we even see in 1 Corinthians 7, 14, where there's times when a husband or a wife, they come to be a disciple of Jesus and their spouse isn't a disciple. And there's some encouragement to live your life in a way that your spouse will see the kingdom of heaven and what's happening in your life. And they will want the thing that you have. And you won't have to use a lot of your words. They will see that radical, good, better transformation in your life. And they'll want what you want. So we've got unbelievers. Then we have, and this is an important uh, for me to point out, we have, this is not a biblical word, but I call it likers. These are the people, it's, they move from here to here because they really like Jesus. Been there, you really, really like Jesus? Like, 
Listen, you see Jesus heal somebody in your family, and you're like, I, I like that guy. He, yes, come on. Or you see Jesus stand up for the woman who's about to be stoned, guys who, who are complete hypocrites. They find a couple that's having an inappropriate relationship. They leave the guy. They drag the girl. They're about to stone her. Where's the guy? And yet Jesus defends her, and everybody walks away. I like that guy. I like Jesus. I like who he is. I like what he does. What if you were, maybe the day you were at the wedding and you found out that the, the couple having the wedding, they ran out of wine, and this is a wedding where you traveled to and you're there for multiple days, and day one, the wine runs out, and you find out Jesus does this miracle, and he provides enough wine, not only for everyone there, but so that this couple will have a resource going into their future. It can be monetized. It can help them start their life off well. I mean, Jesus did that for my friends. He's amazing. I like that guy. I've heard how he's healed. What if you were the centurion, and you were God-fearing man, and your son was sick, and you brought your son, well, you, you went to go see him, but he said, I'm going to come to your house. He said, not so, Lord, I'm a man under authority. You don't have to come to my house. Speak the word, and he'll be well. So Jesus spoke, spoke the word, and when the man returned home, the centurion, his son had been healed at that very same hour. I like that Jesus, right? I'm at the, I, I, I go, I hear he's doing like this great big thing out on the hillside down by the Sea of Galilee, and I go, and McDonald's did not have the foresight to provide any restaurants. They didn't know this was happening. It wasn't happening uh, out on Mill Plain. It wasn't happening on Fourth Plain. It's somebody out in the back corner of Amboy. And we all show up there, and Jesus, a little bit long-winded, be like Jesus. And in the process, just trying to be biblical, folks. Amen. <laughs> and in the process, and I'm over time. Oh, that's humiliating to see red numbers up there. But I've got a few minutes. Okay, so amazing that your family is now famished, and you're, you're starting to worry that, oh, man, with the heat and everything, will we not be able to get back and get everybody fed? How is this going to work? There's only one person who, who prepared, and Jesus does a miracle, and you, listen, your family ate miracle bread and fish at the hand of Jesus. I would like that. But even if I experience that, that doesn't make me a disciple. In fact, there's many people I believe in Scripture who experienced healings and really liked Jesus, but maybe aren't disciples. And here's the most dangerous part about it. If all you can see is this block, or if the church that you attend only teaches about this and really puts the bar down that... You just need to like him. You just need to believe in him. I want you to know, Scripture teaches us that even the devils believe in Jesus. There's lots of people who like Jesus, lots of people who believe Jesus. And I would challenge you that liking Jesus is not the final step. It's not what unlocks the kingdom. I, in fact, I, I honestly, while I love when people get to this spot where they're not anti God, and they're coming to church, and they raise their hands. We all feel like, oh, yeah, they're pressing in now. We want to make sure that you don't get stuck there because it's like thinking you're going to play Major League Baseball, and they, you've heard about the game, and you've seen the pictures of the game, and somebody takes you to the game, and they bring you to outside of the field, and you stand up to the chain link fence, and you hear about all the good things. You could see all of the good things, and somebody's whispering in your ear, you're a baseball player. This is what it's meant to be. 
and you're wondering why I can't, I, I don't feel like I can touch the ball. I don't feel like I'm swinging my bat. I don't feel like I'm running the bases. Because this is all you thought a disciple was. If this is what you think a disciple is, if this is what you, believing in God unlocks somehow these things that are in the Bible, it's why so many people, so many believers live their life and never experience really formal answered prayer. I was talking with somebody yesterday and just going down through the list of people in our church family who have been healed, and they attend a much larger church, much more established church, and they looked at me sadly and says, I've never, we've not seen anything like that in our church, and it breaks my heart because good people like Jesus, but they end up stuck on the outside and can't figure out why when I read the Bible are the things in the Bible not happening in today? Why are they not happening in my life? Because the enemy is incredibly good at deception and loves to make you think that you've arrived two steps shy of actually stepping in and experiencing all that God has. Now, many, many of you are disciples. Don't hear this negative and also don't hear any condemnation about what I'm talking about. I started attending church in about the seventh grade, and I would say that the truth is really, I, I, I really didn't live here much. I was really more in this crowd. This crowd. I've told you the stories of you know, praying that girls will like me and praying that stuff that I stole, I didn't get caught. You know, I believe that God's good. He's going to help me out even in my bad stuff. And there were many times I prayed, I actually felt like I was a Christian. I really liked God. I really liked him. I went to, to church for six years. But I certainly never experienced any things that were in the Bible. It was a historical book that I was to honor and revere and hopefully follow. But what I was experiencing about what the Bible said was someone looking through the chain link fence and wondering why my life doesn't have those things. I guess those things are meant for heaven. And I want to tell you that the kingdom of God is for this earth. Everything in the New Testament that Jesus talks about when he talks about the kingdom of God, I used to think those words meant once we die and get to the kingdom of God. And Jesus came so that the kingdom of God could come to earth. But what unlocks the kingdom of God is moving from being a liker to becoming a disciple. Stepping in to following Jesus. That's the simple definition so that you understand what a disciple is. It is someone who has responded to the invitation to follow. You can see it there on my final slide. What is, what is a disciple? Someone who follows Jesus. It's a follower. It's not just a believer, and believing's good. Again, don't hear um, me discrediting you if you find yourself in this spot. Don't hear that at all. It is a, it, for, for many people, it's a progression. Nobody starts as a disciple. You could maybe be born into a family that's all about spiritual things, but even for you who have been born and raised in a Christian family going to a Christian school, maybe you were so Christian you did Christian homeschool like my kids did part of the time, right? It just like, you, you know, sin for you was the one time I had a bad thought about, you know, the dog that bit me. I hoped that he would get, oh, I'm such a sinner. Some of you like, protect the dog at all costs, right? Um, animal lovers, and I respect that. I have a dog. But you, even the cleanest of, of, of likers of Jesus, 
that's not the kingdom of God. That's liking who God is, liking what his word says, liking what you're seeing, liking the songs, liking what's going on here better than what they're experiencing. But Jesus said, come and follow me. And that's what he still says today. It wasn't about logistics. Jesus wasn't trying to get people to come and see where he was camped so he could, they could hear his message, so that they could be a bunch of traveling campers who had a message. Jesus invited people to follow because it was a catalyst. The moment they stepped over the line, there would be some radical things that would open up, unlock, and change in their lives. The fence separating the boy who frustrated because he wants to play baseball and people have telling him you are on the team but there's a chain link fence it dissolves the chain link fence and he finally gets to step out onto the field and begin to learn to play and it's a the greatest step you'll ever take in your lifetime it's the greatest moment of life it's the unlocking where everything in the kingdom of God is in play for you Amen. why don't you stand with me okay I'm not sure maybe where you're at in this experience. I'm not sure. Uh, could be the revelation for you that you're a liker. And you thought you were everything you needed to be. Or it could be that you're, 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 you're hearing that you're really an unbeliever and that I still like you and love you and we want you here. If you're an unbeliever, we want you here. In fact, we'll take, we'll take never Jesusers. Don't, just don't show up in this house to tell us that your God is the God. We have an agenda, right? What is it to do? To make disciples, right? We don't allow anybody to come into the house with the agenda to make a disciple of their thing. I don't care what it is, okay? We're disciples of Jesus. We're not, we're not political disciples. We participate in politics, but our king is Jesus, right? Now, when we walk out as Jesus with our king, man, let's go and vote. Let's vote for the right things. And sometimes it's not... The best person, is that somebody you want pastoring the church or babysitting your kids? But it's the best option. It's how politics works. The people who are most aligned with God's word. Well, yeah, that's, that's important to do. And if you are a complete never Jesus, or we welcome you because we, we believe that the spirit of God could draw you. And that does apply, I get this question all the time. Is so, such and such people welcome at your church? Absolutely. But we have an agenda. And guess what? Our agenda is to make disciples. And so we're going to preach the truth with love. We're going to give you a hug with love. We're going to invite you to move forward. And we watch people to move forward. And so wherever you fall on this spectrum of following, we're, we welcome you. We love you. We embrace you. But we're going to speak the truth in love because God's words are life and they will lead you to your best life. Come on. There should be like 80 million amens in this, this house. Come on. We don't want just likers. There's more for you than just liking Jesus. I mean, that's like, like looking at you know, the new refrigerators. You could touch the door and all of a sudden a, a window appears. You could see what's in there, but it doesn't open the door for you. That is the worst invention on the planet. I told somebody, I bought a new refrigerator. Why would I buy that? I don't need to see. I need to eat. <laughs> I invite you to take a step forward today. Okay? Some of you are here, you need to come here. Some of you are here, you need to come here. Some of you are here, just leapfrog. Stop wasting time about this section. Jesus, I will follow you. For some of you, that will, when you make that decision, it'll feel like a bolt of lightning hits you. For some of you, you will feel the exact same. 
but your trajectory will change because you are literally going to begin to follow Jesus and he's gonna lead your life, amen? Come on, if you wanna move forward in this, wherever you're at, just let me see your hands up high, okay? Wherever you're at in this process, I'm not making any assumptions, I wanna go forward, amen? I wanna go forward, even if I'm here, I can still go farther, amen? There's more for me. There's always more. So I want to pray over you with your hands raised. Father, I thank you. I embrace, God, your spirit. Holy Spirit, draw all people unto you. I thank you for these hands raised. This is, these are hungry hearts. You said to seek first the kingdom of God. You told that to people who were in this never Jesus crowd. You told that. You said seek first the kingdom of God to the unbeliever, to the liker, and to the disciple. And it guaranteed that if we sought first the kingdom of God, you would add all things. It's like a, an attraction. It's like, a, it's like that, that tractor beam drawing us forward. And so we are a church that's looking for, we want more of you, God. We thank you for the more that you have. And we're taking steps forward. We're gonna thank you as we do. Lord, we're gonna tell the person next to us that we are. We're gonna share it with our spiritual leaders so that we're accountable for decisions that we're making and so that they can help us. But Jesus, ultimately, we're gonna step into following you. And everyone said, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a big, big, big hand. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church. 